So we're going to end this series today. This has been a five-part series, and, and um, actually, I've, I've, a lot of people have told me they really kind of like this, so if you've missed any of this, I would encourage you to go to our website and check them out. It's the month of July, five-part series called It Takes Courage. It takes courage, and today, I think is probably, well, they're all very important topics, but this one's a doozy. This one here is, it takes courage to let go of the past. It takes courage to let go of the past. Why? Because our past experiences in life have a powerful way of shaping who we are today. Whether it's good or bad, right? We often hold on to and we cannot forget about the things done or the things that were done to us. And when speaking of Satan, Jesus had this, Jesus used this um, adjective or noun or whatever to describe Satan in John chapter 10. He called him a thief. He said, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give a rich and satisfying life. And rich doesn't mean money. You ever, you ever have a meal and then you get the dessert and you're like, oh, that's too rich for me. How would you like your life in Jesus to be like that? Oh, too much, Jesus. Whew, let's hold off till tomorrow. I'm, I feel too good. A rich and satisfying life. But see, many people have a hard time letting go of past hurts or letting go of past accomplishments or trauma or achievements. Whatever it is that they're holding on to, they allow the thief to rob them of the joy that Jesus has, which is a life that is rich and satisfying. But what do you mean? I was the one that scored the winning touchdown. That's who I am. Yeah, but you're holding on to that, and Jesus wants you to score more touchdowns. See, we may be living in the, the glory days of the past, and that is who defines who we are. Or we cannot let go of the hurts done to us, and some of them are very, very painful, and we can't let go. We, we, we have this, this thought that if, we, if I hold on to that hate, if I hold on to that anger, if I hold on to that hurt, that person will know. Well, you're only tormenting yourself. That person has no idea what you're thinking about them. My father-in-law says it best. There's no sense in being mad at somebody if they don't know you're mad at them. <laughs> you know, it's like drinking poison and hoping that they die. <laughs> Serious. We laugh, but it's, it's, these are real-life situations that people can't let go of. And I, 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 you know, I, I'm joking, but I'm not. I, I understand there's, there's pain involved in that. But the past has the power to either help or hinder our growth as a person. And even bigger than that, our past has the power to either help or hinder our identity that is in Jesus Christ. So I want to read a passage from the book of Philippians. I'm going to read it, and then I'll, I'll, we'll put some context to it. It's the Apostle Paul, 
And he writes this to the church of Philippi. I wanted to read the whole chapter, but we got picnic to go to. I don't know who keeps thinking about their picnic. I got my shorts and flip-flops in my office. I'm ready to go. All right, listen to this. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. This is what the Apostle Paul says, and then we'll put some context to it. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling all of us. So I read from the New Living Translation in case you're, that's a little different than what you're used to reading. But let's put a little context to this. And then we're gonna, we are going to kind of look at the main piece in there. Prior to this passage, Paul was talking about all of the things that he has accomplished as a Jewish religious leader, a Pharisee. He knew the scriptures like nobody. He lived his life to the letter of the law. So much so, if you remember, it was the Jewish religious leaders that had Jesus nailed to the cross. Paul was actually no saint. In Acts chapter 8, it says Paul, his, his Jewish, his Hebrew name, he went by Saul, Saul of Tar- Tarsus. And then later on, it changes to Paul because he was fluent in Greek as well. That was his Greek name, Paul. In Acts chapter 8, it says Saul went door to door dragging believers in Jesus out of their homes to torture and persecute and kill them for their faith in Jesus. This is a Pharisee, a Jewish religious leader who lived life to the letter of the law and thought that he was doing a good thing for God. Crazy, right? And then, so so if anybody has the right to brag about their religious zealousy, it's Paul. But then he has this powerful encounter with Jesus himself, and he becomes a follower of Jesus. And he is just as zealous for Jesus as he was for God, only this time... His zealousy is not misguided. But why does Paul say, I forget about the things of the past? Think about this. Think about the thoughts and the memories and the the sounds and the things that he had going on in his head of him persecuting and torturing Christians, people. And and at that time, they were called the way. It says he, 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 he drug members of the way out of their homes Think about that. Like in one of the Corinthians, I think it is, uh, in the letter to Corinth, Paul talks about um, this thorn in his side that he, that he has. And I don't know if this is correct, so I'm just I'm going to put that caveat out there. This is just me speaking. Many people say it's an illness, or maybe he, he had a blindness going on, but he's in prison, right? And he's got this thorn in his side that he, that he has to deal with all the time. And, you know, I think, possibly, could it have been a demon assigned to him to remind him of what he once did to believers? And he has to live with that. And so in order to to kind of process that, those thoughts and those memories and the things of his past, he does the one thing that he is supposed to do to keep from holding on to the past. He says, 
I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for God, for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us all. He, he, he did his best to forget about the past. The past isn't who he was anymore. He is. He wasn't that person. He's a new creation in Christ. And see, many of us, to press in to what it is that Jesus has for us, must decide, we have to make the decision that we're going to let go of the past so that we can continue moving forward in Jesus. That's a tough, tough decision for some of us. Some of us, again, we're holding on to these accomplishments and these achievements and all these good things that we once were, and some of us are holding on to a very traumatic event, gut-wrenching, soul-crushing, like I'm talking bad event. And these things are what is keeping us from moving forward in Christ. See, we have allowed them to define who we think we are. One of the, the most subtle attacks from the enemy, okay, is to get us to think that we will never amount to anything more than what we are allowing our past to define us as. I'm broken. I'm damaged goods. I am whatever it was that was spoken to you over as a child. I'll never succeed in relationships. These are things that we carry with us. And here's the thing. This often leads to complacency when we become followers of Jesus because we find comfort in this. It's an uncomfortable comfort, but it is a familiar comfort because it's going to take work and effort to get out of that. You know, so we want to hold on to that fire, that, that anger, that hurt for that other person. Often that means we are unwilling to forgive them. Remember, last week in, in part of the sermon, I said that the Christian life was never meant to be easy. There's nothing easy about being a Christian. You, everybody up here... There's, I think there's one person that just like flew through the week, but everybody had something going on that the enemy was attacking them on because they were getting water baptized. The Christian lifestyle is hard, man. We have to constantly allow the Holy Spirit to transform our thoughts by the renewing of our mind. Some of us on an hourly basis, some daily, some weekly, some monthly. But we got to work at it because if we put the time in, Jesus will bless us. He'll be with us as we do that. See, we can't move forward if we don't let go. And to press on means to uh, uh, exert a steady amount of force. You're, you're not going to win a race if you take your foot off the gas pedal. You're not going to win a race, a running race, if you take a breather and slow up for a little bit. You got to go, man. And sometimes we got to go hard, sometimes harder than others. But we will have a difficult time 
pressing on and moving forward in Christ until we make the decision to let go of our past. And, and listen, this is where the hard work comes in at. Because these things are like computers, right? Everything is stored in our brains. And at the most weirdest time, the one, some of the, the worst memories pop up. And we're like, whoa, what? Why? I'm not even thinking about that. No, you weren't. But there's an enemy out there, can't read our minds, but he can. Plus, our brains are just, we're so complex. But here's the thing. We can't never, ever forget. We just can't forget these things. Traumatic events and things like that. We can't forget them. But with the help of God's Holy Spirit, his healing powers, and the promises we're given in his word, we can learn to deal with them. We can learn to process the hurt and the pain as Jesus takes it from us when we hand it to him. It's a healing process, and it's often surrounded by forgiveness. Uh, forgiveness is, is a very, very powerful thing. Because the Bible says, if we are unwilling to forgive a person, Jesus said, my Father in heaven cannot forgive you. If, if you want to know why you can't get any further in life as a follower of Jesus, but you, have a, you can't forgive somebody, it's because forgiveness is powerful. It's a powerful thing. And it's a process, too. It's not like you don't just say, well, I forgive them, and it's over, and let's go have ice cream. No, it's, it's, it, 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 there's, there's, a, there's a process, and there's pain involved, and and it takes time. I just, I just want you to know I understand that. But, but here's the deal. I love what Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah is a prophet of God. He's, he's God's mouthpiece in the Old Testament for the Israelites. And he's saying something through Isaiah. But, but prior to what he says... He talks about all the good things he did for the Israelites. He says, I, I brought you out from under the captivity of, of Egypt. They were slaves to Egypt for 400 years, Israel was. I conquered the Egyptians for you. I split the Red Sea and brought you through that. I created a nation out of you. He says this, I did all these things for you. But then he says in verse 18, but forget all that. Forget all that, the good old days that I did for you. Because it is nothing compared to what I am going to do. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in a dry wasteland. What if, what if, what if you're having a hard time dealing with something from the past? Maybe it's forgiveness. Maybe it's hurt. Maybe it's something spoken over you, whatever. But you can't let go of it. But God has done some really good things in your life. But now you're sitting here today and you're like, wow, maybe that's why, I, 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 maybe that's why I'm struggling in these areas, right? And then you hear God say to you, yeah, I have done some good things for you. It is nothing compared to what I want to do if you, help, if, you, if you invite me in to help you with this process. Could you imagine that? What I've done for you is nothing compared to what I want to do for you. Forget about the past, God says. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. So, so what that tells me is that at some point, we need to make a conscious decision that we are no longer going to allow the past to determine our future. And the healing power of God's Holy Spirit is often the answer. And it all comes down to trust. 
It's trust. Do we trust God to take care of us? Do we trust God to heal those memories and help us cross through that? Do we trust God to help us let go and press on? It's all about trusting the process of moving forward in Christ. It's kind of like this. You ever been to the circus and you're done with the animals and then the trapeze artists come out, right? Yeah, and the drum roll starts and the one person is swinging back and forth and back and forth and the other person throws that swing out and then he, 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 they jump from the other swing to the other and they do a couple tricks and they jump and now there's two of them. And then one jumps and grabs a hold of the arms of the other. You, of course there's practice involved. But aside from that, what else? Trust. You've got to trust the other person that they're going to hold on to you. You can't move forward if you're not willing to trust God to help you with this. And so many times what a Christian, what we do is, is this. We can't, we can't let go of the past. We, can't, we just can't shake it. And so what we do is we say, but I want to move forward. And so we're on this trapeze, right? And then we grab a hold of the we're moving forward, but we're still holding on to the past. And then the swings go away and we're pulled. And now we're stuck. And spiritually, we're being torn in two different directions. I want to move forward, but I can't let go of the past. See what I'm saying? If you trust Jesus, Jesus is the other trapeze person with you. Grab a hold of him. Trust him. Swing through life with him. And I guarantee you, you'll get the applause of the angels. <laughs> See, the moment we bring our past into the present, and we just, we just we set it right there on the table with us, right? It's in this. The backpack is so full, we can't even carry it on our back anymore. We have to, we have to wear it backwards because we got to carry all of this hurt and this pain. And then when we sit down, we got to lift it up <clears throat> and put it on this table. It's our past. And now it's a part of our present. Well, you can't move forward into the future without this because you just brought it with you. You leave it in the past. Those memories will still be there, but the Holy Spirit will help you process and deal with it. Here's the thing. Pressing on and grabbing hold of what Jesus has for us is, is how we become who we're created to be in Christ. Because in Ephesians chapter 2, we are told that we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned long ago for us. Before we were conceived in our mother's womb, God had plans for us to do. And the moment we put our faith in Jesus, he says, all right, it's on, let's go. I've been waiting for this. We got some things to work through. I know you got some past hurts and some things like that, but when you are ready to go, I am with you. That's how that works. We are a masterpiece. So when, so when those thoughts of the past come flooding in and the enemy reminds you of your past, remind him that you are God's masterpiece. He's an artist. And every piece of art he does, he puts up and he goes, that's the one, that's the masterpiece. And then he went to Chuck and he said, well, that's the one right there, that's the masterpiece. Then he went to Logan Kessigan. He said, well, that's the one. We're all his masterpiece. 
Not one of us shines brighter than the other. Jesus loves all of us. We are created to do good things in his name. Here's the thing. God has positioned each one of us to be alive at this very time, and he has given each one of us gifts and talents to use in order to serve our generation. We have all kinds of age groups in here in this church. We have, we have generations that we belong to, right, in the, in the age group. We are to serve those that we don't know are followers of Jesus. We serve them. That's how you shine the light in, in other people's lives. We're here for a specific time and a reason that God planned long ago. Colossians chapter 1, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave us of our sins. That forgiveness is a process that helps us move forward. The redemptive work of Jesus on the cross is what sets us free to have the courage to trust in him, to let go of the past, and to lay hold and press on to what the future has. Our past no longer defines us. Our past no longer defines our future if we allow the work of the cross to take effect in our lives. It's redemptive. It's redemption. It's forgiveness. It's healing. And the Bible is full of promises like this. And yet still, some of us limit the work of God in our lives because we limit him to our life's circumstances. We limit our supernatural God who created everything. I love it when we say, well, the scientists are saying that the earth is expanding and it's going to change and the, the, the galaxy and all of this and that. Yeah, well, God, God did all of that. You guys are catching up to him. But we, 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 we limit him to our worldview based on our past and we say, I, I, this is who I am. I am no good. I am damaged. I can never get a relationship to work out. What that person said to me is true. What that person said to me as a child is true. The way I was bullied in school, it must be true because they said it. These things, they run in our heads. I'm I, you know, I ruin it all. This now defines who I am. The list could go on. But we, we put God in a box and we give him very little to work with. When we need to lay hold of the promise that is in Luke chapter 1 that says, for the word of God will never fail. Or, other versions, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. I want to tell you a story about a man named Joseph in the Bible. So Joseph, this, this story starts in uh, uh, Genesis chapter uh, 37, and it goes clear to chapter 50. It's a long story, so I'm going to give you a quick condensed version of it. But I want to tell you the story because this is a story of a man who really should have given up, and everybody probably would have said, yeah, you, you really got dealt a bad hand there, my friend. And it starts out when he's 17 years old. I encourage you to read it. Just, it. just take the time to read it. Genesis 37 all the way through to the end, chapter 50. 
But at the age of 17, and Joseph, okay, so also he is number 11 out of 12 sons, and I believe there was a sister there. So he, he was uh, 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 one out of 13, I think, siblings. And it was no secret that he was dad's favorite. You know, the Bible talks about it. He was the favorite. And his brothers, they didn't really like that. So Joseph has this dream one day. He tells his brothers about it. It's all symbolic and stuff. And, and, but they're like, you're, you're making it sound like we're going to serve you. And then he has another dream, and he tells his dad, and it, and, and, and it, it, it sounds like the whole family is going to bow down to you, Joseph, and, and serve you. And it says his dad scolded him. But in the very same sentence, it says, but his dad wondered about the meaning of these dreams. Hey, there might be something to this. So they're farmers, right? And... Uh, they uh, farm uh, goat animals and stuff. And so they're out in the fields one day and the brothers are plotting to kill Joseph because they're so upset with him in these dreams. And he's the favorite and all this and that. They're plotting to kill their own brother. And then these Midianite traders come along, Ishmaelite traders. <laughs> and they sell Joseph to them for silver, you know, 20, 30 pieces of silver. They sell their own brother to these traders coming through the desert. And then they take some of his clothes and they kill a goat and they get some blood on it and they go home and they said, a wild animal got our brother. We don't know what to do, he's dead. Could you imagine? Your own brothers sold you. So now they take him into Egypt and they sell Joseph to this man named Potiphar. Potiphar was a pretty high up guy. He was the, the captain of the palace guards for the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So now Joseph, a Hebrew, becomes a slave to Potiphar's household. But here's the thing. The Bible says in Genesis 39, verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served Potiphar's house. Joseph, Joseph had a good attitude. <laughs> Joseph said, well, this is the position I'm in. I'm, I may as well just work hard and do good and, you know, Let's see what comes of it. And I'm, I'm sure there was a lot of praying going on. But then one day while Potiphar's at work, Potiphar's wife decides that she wants to have relations with Joseph. Strapping young lad that he is. <laughs> and this goes on day after day after day. And, and it said he tried to avoid her after a while. To where it got so bad she was coming on to him, he runs out of the house and she grabs his cloak. He runs out. She starts screaming and yelling, you know, you're trying to do stuff to me. The, the Hebrew slave tried to do stuff. All these guys come running in, and Potiphar comes home, and he's furious. So he throws Joseph into prison. You talk about a guy who's man, oh, man. Now he's in prison. But the Bible says Potiphar was furious, and Joseph thrown him into prison, but the Lord was still with Joseph. So he's still an upright person. He still has some righteousness to his character is what I'm believing. He's trying. Here's what it is, okay? When you look for God in everything, you'll find him. When you look for the bad, you'll see it. And I believe Joseph said, God, I need to see you in this. God, my brother sold me. I'm in another country. I'm 17, 18, 19, 20 years old. Now I'm in prison, like a prison in Egypt, like in B.C. times. Man, 
So the Lord was still with him, though. And then one day, just so happens that the Pharaoh, the cupbearer, and his baker were in prison, too. And they're, like, having a bad day. They're downcast. And Joseph comes along, and he's like, hey, guys, what's, what, why so down? And they had had some troubling dreams. They each had a troubling dream. And so Joseph was like, well, tell me your dream. And the cupbearer tells him his dream. And Joseph says, wow. He says, here's what that means. In three days, you will be restored to your position as a cupbearer to the Pharaoh. Really? Yeah, absolutely. I believe that's what it is. And he did. And Joseph says, hey, remember me when you're out there. And so the baker's like, oh, wow, okay, maybe this dream isn't so troubling. Can you, can you, you know, like he tells him his dream. And Joseph says, ooh, in three days, you will be dead. <laughs> his outcome wasn't so good. But then, years later, the Pharaoh has two very troubling dreams one night. So the next day he gathers all of his magicians and he tells them the dream. Nobody could interpret it. And the cupbearer catches wind of this and he's like, hey, I remember this guy in prison. He's a Hebrew, but he could interpret dreams. Go get him. So Joseph is very clear to the Pharaoh. I'm not the one that's interpreting the dreams, but God has given me this gift of interpreting dreams. He makes it clear of that. So he interprets the dreams. So here's what it is. God is going to do something to this nation. He's, going, he's warning you, and a famine is going to come across the land, and nobody's going to survive or anything like this. But the second dream means this. If you do all these things, then things will go well. We'll survive. You'll survive the famine. So Pharaoh says, you're in charge. How's that? From going to being sold to traitors, being wrongly accused, put into prison, and now the king puts you in charge of storing up grain and food and animals and all that so that we can, we can, we can make it through this famine. So now fast forward, all right, long story short, fast forward, the story doesn't end there because Joseph's family needs some food and his brothers come to Egypt to get it and they don't know it's Joseph that they have to meet with. And he sees them, and he holds his, maintains his composure. He's so happy to see his family. But he makes them jump through some hoops. I mean, give the guy a little something, right? He makes his brothers jump through some hoops. And long story short, he even has a reunion with his family. He gives them some food. He comes back and says, hey, guy, it's, it's me. And they, they fall at his feet. They're so sorry. They feel so bad. Of course they should. But, you know, here's the thing. Here's what Joseph said to them, okay? Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. You see, look back on your life and start connecting the dots. Some of those traumatic things that we deal with that we don't want to have anything to do with anymore, God might be using you to help somebody else bring them through that the way he brought you through that. Yes. Joseph, I mean, if anybody had a reason to be a little sour at life, it was Joseph. But he wasn't. He kept a good head on his shoulders. He looked for God in everything he did, and he found him, and he moved in that direction. And God put him in in one of the most prestigious, if not the prestigious position right below the king of Egypt. And he saved the land. And he said, guys, it's fine. You guys, you guys intended to harm me. We all know that. But God intended it for good. 
He had a plan. God always has a plan and a purpose for us. Now, 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 well, you know, I'm sure God probably had something to do with him being sold into slavery, and he, he probably, you know, orchestrated some of that. No, no, he did not. That's, that's bad theology. He was put in an extremely bad situation because of the jealousy and the hatred of his own siblings. End of story, they stink. I mean, his own brothers sold him into slavery. But God said, let's do this. And Joseph had a good attitude. He had a good attitude, and I believe that God said, that is a character that I can work with. Joseph, you have no idea. It is, it's going to get worse. And then a little bit more worse. But just hang in there, man. Hang in there. Because Joseph chose to keep doing his best, God saw that as something he can work with, and then he was put in that position. See, see, Joseph used the gifts that God gave him, and he gave God the credit for it. And a Hebrew slave saved the nation of Egypt from ruin. And, and, and then, by the way, those dreams that he had when he was 17 that his family got upset with him about, well, they came to fruition at the end there. That's what it meant. That's what it was. So we'll wrap it up with this, just today's sermon. But, you know, like many of us, Joseph had to make a conscious decision to forget about the past and focus on what lies ahead. He could have sat there and just stewed on his family and just wondered why they did that and what they did. But, but I believe he had to make a conscious effort to say, well, this happened and here I am. I've got to deal with what's in front of me now. At an early age, late teens, forgetting about the past means to allow God's Holy Spirit to bring the healing needed to deal with the past so that it no longer controls and defines who we are. And God is the only one who can take all the broken pieces of our past and put them together and work them together for the good. He's the only one that can do that. And even though there's cracks and crevices and hurts and pains and things like that that, are, that make up your life, God puts you on the shelf with every other masterpiece he has and says, perfect. Perfect. But it will only happen if we have the courage to let go, press on, lay hold of, and grab onto what the future holds. If we don't have the courage to do that, it's not going to happen. And it often starts by walking in the freedom of the forgiveness that Jesus offers. So we, we can't change the things of the past. We can't change that. But with the help of God's Holy Spirit, we can determine our future and find our true identity in Christ. Amen? Let's pray. God, I just, I thank you for this. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Jesus, for, man, stories like Joseph's and promises that we can hold on to, and only you can do what you do in our lives. And so I pray for some of those today, God, maybe, maybe uh, those that raised their hand for ministry time earlier or, or whatever, God, I pray that, that you help us deal with and process some of these things from the past so that we can move forward with who we are in you and we can begin to do the things that you planned for us to do long ago. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.